Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Come on, stay standing all over the room. We're going to pray together as we get into the Word. Listen, I pray that that song gets in your head like it's been in mine for the last several weeks. You wake up in the morning, you say, one, two, three, everybody sing now. I hope it does, just that I am. How many of you guys love Jesus in this room? Man, I'm so thankful. Listen, I love that we can make room for sons and daughters here. Listen to me, church. I hope the Lord sends us another 500 sons and daughters. We want to be committed to raising a generation to advance the kingdom of God. And I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing. Listen, God's got something he wants to share with us today. Uh, A little different than what I was anticipating earlier this week. And you know that sometimes the Lord deals with me on Fridays and Saturdays and just redirects some things in my heart. And I can't wait to just release what God has shared with me today. But I want us to get ready to receive it. So can you open up your hands like you're getting ready to catch something today. I just wanted to ask the Lord to, to prepare us. Father, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. God, we thank you, Lord, for joy. We thank you, Lord, for the joy of sons and daughters. God, we recognize, God, as as men and women, God, we are not building for ourselves. We are building for what's next. We're building for sons and daughters to take, God. We are leaving legacy for them to run with if you tarry. And so, Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for what you're doing, God, in Makers Academy. God, what you're doing in Makers Kids, what you're doing in Makers Youth. Father, what you are doing in and through this house, God, to bless the east side of Cincinnati and beyond. And, Lord, today, God, you've got something you want to share with each of us. So, Lord, I pray, God, that the posture of each of our hearts is one, God, of openness and humility, Lord, to receive your word, God, to respond, Lord, to the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I thank you in advance, God, for the transformation, God, that you're doing in this house. God, we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Come on, pray. somebody say amen. Come on, be seated all over the room. Hallelujah. Man, I want to share for a few minutes this morning. Uh, and then we're going, we're going to get together in the altar. You say, Pastor, we're getting in the altar a lot. Good. We need to stay in the altar as much as we can. And I won't apologize for that ever. I want us to be a church that is familiar with encountering God together in Jesus' name. But we've been in this series for the last several weeks. We've been sharing vision of what God has called us to do together in 2023. How many of you guys know God has given us a vision to rise in 2023? If you didn't know, it's on the walls now. It'll help you. How many of you guys know this is our year to rise in Jesus' name? Come on, come on! somebody find two or three people around you and say, it's my time to rise. Come on, tell them. It's my time to rise. It's our year to rise. And we've been looking at, at this vision that God has given us, and it's, and it's so beautiful because it's so simple, yet it's significant. And we've been looking at, at scriptures and understanding what God is saying. And there's this one text that we've used a lot, and I want to keep reminding you of it. Acts 26. 16, and this is what Jesus said to the apostle Paul. He said, but rise, somebody shout rise. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make, how many of you guys know our God's a maker? He is a maker and he's made us to make. He said, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Is anyone thankful that God's not done with you yet? 
that God's still working in you and through you. There is more he wants to reveal to you this year as you say yes to rising in Jesus' name in every part of your life. And we've looked at how the word rise is not just that word, but it's broken down for vision and four components from the Holy Spirit that we say this year in Jesus' name, we're gonna reach for next. We talked about reaching for next last week. Is anybody thankful that God has a new and a next for you in this season? That God is allowing you to reach. Let go of the things that are behind. Reach forward to everything God has for your life. We're reaching for next. We also wanna prioritize intimacy with God. What does that mean? That means that we don't just wanna do for God, but we wanna be with God. We wanna be with God. How many of you guys are getting better at being with the Lord this year? If, listen, if you are not, it's not because God doesn't want you to. You're gonna have to make time. You're gonna have to say yes to discipline and say I'm not gonna be distracted. I'm not gonna be too busy. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? That's why I use the air quotes, too busy. Pastor, I'm too busy to read the word. Really, no, you need to get off Facebook and you need to get it, your, word, your face into the book. You need to get off television and spend time in the secret place with God. You need to make time. You, Pastor, does that mean I should get up 30 minutes earlier if that's what it takes? You need to have intimacy with God. And then next week, we're going to be talking about seeking the lost. I'm excited. Uh, you guys know we have a global evangelist that's a part of our church family, Jeff Battles. He is coming next week to talk about seeking the lost with practical and spiritual ways of what it looks like for us to be people that get into the harvest right here in our homes, in our city, in our neighborhoods, and seek the lost together. You need to be here. Bring somebody with you. It's going to be a powerful Sunday. And then uh, today... We were supposed to talk about expect the supernatural. How many of you guys believe that when you live in the kingdom that super, the supernatural should be common in your life? It should not be uncommon. It should be common. It should be common in our lives. And notice I said we were supposed to talk about that because I thought that's what I was going to get to talk about today. And the Lord said, no, you're not, just for a second. I said, yes, sir. But I believe something that we should expect the supernatural in every part of our lives, Makers Church. If you feel like that you are living in less than, then you need to turn your expectation around and say, Lord, you didn't make me for less than. I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. God, I have more than enough in every part of my life. God, you did not design me for mediocrity. You designed me to live in the miraculous. We should expect, look to your neighbor and say, expect the supernatural. Expect the supernatural. And so, so that's what we were going to talk about today, but, but as, we were, as I was studying this week and preparing, I heard the Lord just say, I had to loop back to R just for a minute, and I, and I had to, and, I, and I, I, I didn't expect that, I wasn't anticipating those things, but I heard the Lord go back, and I want to remind us, because last week we talked about reaching for next, and we talked about how I believe in this season, hopefully you believe, that God is releasing new desires, God is giving you fresh dreams and visions for what he wants to do in and through your life in this season, hopefully he's given you vision for your family, how many of you guys know we shouldn't just have a vision for this house, we should have a vision for our house? We should have a vision for what God wants to do in and through our marriage and our family and our lives together. We need to be reaching for next. But I also shared with you what I believe God said were the three things that Maker's Church was committed to reaching for next in this year. Do you remember what those three things are? The first thing the Lord told me is the restoration of the fivefold ministry. 
the restoration of the fivefold ministry. I'm not preaching that today, but if you say, what's the fivefold ministry? Go to Ephesians 4, and it says Jesus gave gifts. He gave gifts to the church. We're going to be talking about that, doing a big old series on the fivefold ministry this year at Makers. I'm telling you, it, if it was needed for the Acts 2 church, it's needed for this church. It's needed for the church at large. That's what the people of God say, amen. Come on. And so we're, he said the restoration of the fivefold ministry. The second thing he said that we must reach for next this year is, is to reclaim the mountains of societal influence for the kingdom of God. How many of you guys know there are seven spheres that shape and that dictate every culture and nation in the world? There's seven of them. Uh, if you were in Made to Lead right now, we're actually going through all seven of those uh, and talking about it. But uh, how many of you guys know there is a prophetic promise in Isaiah 2-2 where it says that in the latter days, the mountain of God were overtaken the mountains of the world. That means this, that means that we as believers have not just been called to sit in a church house, but we have been sent into the world to make disciples and make a difference in every sphere of influence that is in every nation and in every culture. We are called to go into the world and shine bright for Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. And so we wanna reclaim the mountains of societal influence. And the last thing I told you was this one. The last thing I said is that we wanted to, to prioritize, to reach for the reality of revival. The reality of revival. Somebody say revival. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there, there seems to be a, a, a spirit of revival that's starting to sweep through America right now. There seems to be a spirit of revival that is sweeping through universities and sweeping through churches and even sweeping through nations and all these beautiful things. These are truly times of refreshing and awakening in the Holy Spirit. And how many of you guys know that if God has that for us, we don't want to miss it? We don't want to miss any good thing that God has for us. And, and, and I want us, we talked about it last week, but makers, I want us to know, understand, and reach for the reality of revival in this season. I want us to reach for the reality of revival. And if you remember, I, I, I explained a couple of things that you'll see in a minute. I said, well, because some of us, our perception or understanding of revival really was based in things that weren't revival at all, but it was a buzzword that some people use and they talked about. And so we answered some questions I'm gonna answer in a minute, but I wanna show you uh, just from, from the text quickly, uh, one of the, the first revival that launched the New Testament church in Acts chapter two. So if you've got your Bibles, go with me there quickly. And, and, and I'm going somewhere, so stay with me as we build this morning. Acts chapter two, this is right after Pentecost, the, the, the feast of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost had fully come, and this is what happens. It said, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about it, these people are not drunk, as some of you were assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is too much early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, do you remember what happened? They were all in the upper room, and then the sound of like a rushing mighty wind came and filled the house, and every one of them received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And what happened is they left that upper room, and they were literally praising and worshiping God. They were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability, and people had never seen this before, and they thought something was wrong with them. How many of you guys know there was nothing wrong with them? There was something wonderful happening inside of them. There was nothing wrong with them at all. And so Peter stands up, and he boldly is beginning to preach, and he tells them, he says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon some people. Mm. Upon all people. 
I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Look at that. That's what they were experiencing, and there was an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now, how many of you guys know those were, those were those days, but we are living in the latter and last days? We are in those, some of those seasons right now, and how many of you guys know that prophecy was good then and it's good now? That God is pouring out his spirit on all people. And I love what you see in this text because it lets us know he's not, God's not favoring one generation. He's pouring out on all generations. God's not pouring out on one socioeconomic status. He's pouring out across culturally. It does not matter. If there were people, the spirit of God was being poured out upon them. And something was taking place. There was a revival. They, they were being awakened and things were happening. The world was being awakened to the spirit of God. And later you find in Acts chapter 3 verse 19, you see the apostle Peter still preaching. He says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing, somebody say times of refreshing. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Does anybody want this year to just be a year of a time of refreshing? A time of refreshing. I believe that God is trying to get us to reach for the reality of revival in this season. And I want us to clearly understand what revival is. And today I've got to talk about something that can hinder and stop revival in the people of God. What is revival? Let's look at this really quick. We talked about it last week. What is revival? When the people of God are awakened to the fullness. Somebody shout fullness to the fullness of life in Christ. To the fullness. There is so much more than some of you have ever tasted in your relationship with Jesus. There are some folks that literally accept the gospel of salvation and they say, isn't there more? Yes, there is. There is enough of God until you are full and overflowing in every part of your life. So what is revival? It's when the people of God are awakened to the fullness of life in Christ. A humility not a haughtiness, a humility to repent. How many of you guys know one of the first things that will start a revival is when repentance breaks out? That the church is not too proud to say, Lord, forgive us for anything that has not been about you. A humility to repent, a heart for righteousness. Not, not, just, not just for righteous living, but to truly embrace that Jesus made us righteous when he died on the cross. That his blood covers us. And a hunger, somebody say hunger. A hunger for more. A hunger, a hunger, something deep inside of you that sometimes you can't even articulate, but you find yourselves longing for more of the Lord, longing to be with God, enough that you would push away the dinner plate, enough that you would turn off the television, enough that you would prioritize and say, God, I'm just hungry to be with you. But I go further. What is revival? It's passion for God's presence. It's passion for God's word. Did you know in Nehemiah chapter 8 and 2 Chronicles 34 and 35, you know what sparked a revival in both of those times? It was the word of God. It was the, it was the word of God that sparked revival. A passion for his word and a passion to be with his people. A passion for the body of Christ, the church. How about more? What is revival? A desire to go deeper in pursuit. Deeper in understanding. And deeper in commitment. Deeper in commitment to God and his kingdom. That you say, Pastor, what is revival? That's revival. 
How many of you guys want that in your life? The reality of those things. Listen, as long as you get ready to pursue the Lord, you can experience those things. Listen, you don't have to go anywhere. You can experience it in your own home. You can experience right here at Maker's Church if we'll get hungry for the things of God. But let me go further. What is revival? Let's go to the next question. What happens in revival? Well, Pastor Derek, if that's what is revival, then what happens in a, in a time of refreshing in revival? Hearts are surrendered and lives are transformed. The supernatural is commonly present through healings, deliverance, and the demonstration of God's power. How many of you guys know there is nothing more powerful than God? He is omnipotent. He has all power. How many of you guys know God likes to display his power to his people? It's the demonstration of God's power. What is it more? An outpouring of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know that we need God the Spirit just like we need God the Son? We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What happens in revival? Encounters with the glory of God. Listen to me. If you have a true encounter with God, it changes you. It changes you. An encounter with God changes you from the inside out. What happens in revival? The great commission becomes the focus. The great commission, making disciples and making a difference. It is not a suggestion. It is not something else on the to-do list. It is the desire of your heart to be used by God to be a part of the great commission. That's what happens in revival. How many of you guys wanna see those things happen in and through your life this year in Jesus' name? Let's go further. What happens in the world when the church gets revived? What happens in the world when the church gets revived? Here it is. There is a supernatural awakening. You say, Pastor, why do they have to be awakened? Because they don't know better. I, I, I hate to break it to you. We need to stop getting angry at the world for acting like the world. Stop being appalled by the things that you see on television. They don't know that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't know that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They don't consider the Bible to be true. They don't consider the things of God to be holy. So stop acting like you like, they should know better. They don't know better. In fact, do you know whose responsibility is to teach them to know better? It's the church. It's our responsibility to go into the world and be a reflection of who God is and what he says in our lives. But when revival breaks out in the church, there is an awakening in the world to the presence, power, and person of Jesus that results in the kingdom growing and advancing in churches, in cities, and in regions. I don't know about you. I don't want to go through another year and know that there's been no difference made in Cincinnati and we could have made one. I don't want to go through another calendar year and know we had an opportunity to shake this region, shake the gates of hell, and advance the kingdom of God. I want to see us walk in that in Jesus' name. But that means we reach for the reality of revival. We reach for the reality of pressing into God more than we ever have before. Look to your neighbor and say, press on. Come on, tell them. Press on, press on, press on. Those are the things that we understand about revival. And listen, there have been seasons of revival for God's people throughout history. I believe God is trying to open the door for one of those seasons now. I believe that people have prayed and sought after the Lord and God is doing those things. Now, I believe God has ordained this season for revival, not just for other places, but for right here at Maker's Church in the city of Cincinnati and in this region in Jesus' name. Do I have anybody else that believes in faith with me for those things? Let's believe in faith for those things. 
I believe that revival is next for us as Makers Church, but listen, we have to reach and then we have to receive. We have to reach and then we have to receive. But, but, but I have to warn us this morning before we finish together. I have to warn us this morning, and this is what I did not expect God to, to just press in my heart to do this week, but he was very, very clear to me that I have to. Did you know there is an antithesis to revival? There is a direct opposite to revival that, that, that will even stop revival. You know what it is? It's the spirit of religion. It's the spirit of religion. Now, if you're in my made-to-lead class, we talked about the spirit of religion on Monday night. We talked about the, the reality, and you get a refresher of some of these things this morning, but that's okay. Most of us need to hear it more than once. Come on, somebody. There is an antithesis to revival, and it's the spirit of religion. Contrary to popular belief, church, it is not compromise that stops revival. It's religion that stops revival. It's religion that will stop revival. Let me say it one more time so you get in your spirit. It is religion that stops revival. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? That, that means that when the supernatural shows up, that's when the super negative shows up. That's why it blows my mind to see as God starts moving in, in, in Asbury or moves at Lee University or moves in other churches because people don't understand it, they criticize it. Oh, they get negative about it. I think revival should be this way or should look like this or should look like that. You better watch what you're saying. Church, you better be careful with this thing right here. The Bible says there is life and death in the power of our tongue. And you'll eat the fruit. You better hope that fruit's not bitter. You better hope it's sweet because you spoke life. You spoke life. But religion is, some of the, is the very spirit that will stop a revival of happening in the church and an awakening to the world. Can I keep going? Say yes. Just in case you weren't with me, now you are. Fantastic. Religion, listen to me, religion is terrified of revival. It's terrified of revival. It's terrified. So why don't we talk about the spirit of religion? Because it's my assignment today for everyone who will receive that the spirit of religion needs to be cast out of your heart, cast out of your house, and not in this house in Jesus' name. Because I'm gonna let you know a secret. It's a lot easier to see the spirit of religion in other people than it is to see it in yourself. So I'm gonna get deep and teach for a minute, and I don't need you, as I told you last week, as my spiritual father says, I don't need your honey to get tight in church. I need you to listen and receive and let the Holy Spirit do a work in you today. Because I believe he does not want the spirit of religion to be present anywhere where the spirit of God is also. So we wanna be aware and we wanna receive what God is saying today. So I need to talk about the spirit of religion for a minute. So the religious spirit, can I tell you, it is a very strong demonic spirit. It is a very strong demonic spirit. And it does a very good job of masquerading itself in all forms of spirituality, but that also applies to Christianity as well. It does. Listen to me. It is a very strong and a very, very, very uh, manipulative spirit. This religious spirit is at work not only outside of the Christian church, but also within the Christian church. 
The religious spirit is very active in our world. There are so many ways the spirit of religion manifests in the world and even in the church. In fact, we see Jesus warn his followers in Matthew chapter 16, verse 6. Here's what he said. He said, watch out. Somebody say, watch out. How many of you guys know if Jesus says, watch out, you should probably watch out for it. He said, watch out. That's not the version I had, but that's fine. Well, he said, take heed. (laughs) He said, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware. Watch out. Be careful. Anybody know what leaven represents in God's word? Sin. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why would he say, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? How many of you guys know, if you've read your Bible, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the professional religion, religion people of Jesus' day. They were the religionists of people's day. And listen, he said, beware of that leaven. Beware of that. He said, he said this because the spirit of religion opposes the very nature of God's character and the culture of God's kingdom. I think that's on the screen. If it's not, throw that up on the screen. I I know I have that slide. The spirit of religion opposes the very nature of God's character and the culture of God's kingdom. These two groups, these Pharisees and Sadducees, they did not like each other because they coveted each other's power and control. But what's funny, they didn't get along. They did nothing together. But when Jesus showed up, they had a common enemy. Can I tell you why? They had a common enemy in Jesus because Jesus did not show up to this earth to establish a religion. Jesus came to establish a kingdom. Jesus came to literally take back the territory that they were controlling. And so they hated Jesus. In fact, they wanted Jesus crucified because they could not control him. They could not stop this supernatural power flowing through this man that they did not understand the authority and the power that he had. Why? Jesus was breaking the spirit of religion with the power and truth of the gospel of the kingdom. That's what Jesus was doing. That's why they hated him so much. And so let me ask you, if we are followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, how many of you guys know that same spirit of religion is trying to attack you? It's trying to come against Jesus' bride, which is the church. It's trying to control. It's trying to contaminate. It's trying to deceive because it is terrified of kingdom citizens pushing back the darkness and advancing the kingdom of light in the world in which we live. And so the spirit of religion that was present then, it's still present now, and it's still operating. But this religious spirit, it manifests itself in so many ways. And I've literally got, I don't know, about 35 ways I'm about to read to you. So can you turn on your listening ears? It was too much to make a slide. Can you just listen? You ready? Look to your neighbor and say, get your ears open. Come on, tell them. Let me talk about this for a minute. I want you to hear it. The spirit of religion, church. The spirit of religion, how does it manifest itself? It seeks to keep people in control instead of the Holy Spirit. It's very deceptive. 
The spirit of religion will tell lies that seem very believable. You want to know the first one? Go to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve were there and Eve was at the tree of, of good and evil and the serpent said, did God really say that you couldn't eat of that tree? It tells lies that are very believable. Let's keep going. The spirit of religion will steal vision, passion, and belief that nothing is impossible with God. The spirit of religion attempts to interfere with the free flow of the Holy Spirit and the sons and daughters of God. Do you know why I am committed to laying hands on our babies every chance I get? I refuse to let them think the Holy Spirit is not for them. The Holy Spirit is for them at that age just as the Holy Spirit is much for us right now. But the spirit of religion will try to stop that. A spirit of religion convinces people they are right with God even though their life looks nothing like Jesus. I could stay there all day. How many people do you know they profess Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, but their life looks nothing like his? You know why? That's a spirit of religion. Can I go further? A spirit of religion believes in the power of God without any signs and wonders. A spirit of religion is full of ritual but has no real relating between God and people. The spirit of religion is performance-based instead of grace-based and convinces you to do good works in order for God to accept you. How many of you guys know you're not saved based on what you do? You are saved by grace through faith. Now, yes, you should have good works, but that's not how you get saved. The spirit of religion invokes fear and intimidation. How many of you guys know perfect love of God casts out all fear? The spirit of religion invokes fear and intimidation by portraying God as a God of punishment, not of love. A spirit of religion uses guilt and the fear of punishment to control and manipulate. Have you ever been a part or ever seen a church that's being manipulated or under a spirit of control? That's because the spirit of religion was operating in that house. A spirit of religion uses human reasoning as a way of explaining supernatural happenings. A spirit of religion promotes feelings of inadequacy as a spiritual and physical being, enhancing a belief that you can never be good enough. Can I just stop right now and let you know, if you are dealing with a perpetual feeling that you are never enough or can never be good enough, that's not coming from the Father. That is coming from a demonic presence in the earth convincing you that you'll never be enough when Jesus has already said that you are in him. That's a spirit of religion, church. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. I need us to see this today. The a spirit of religion, it causes us to compare ourselves unfavorably with others. A spirit of religion will be jealous, envious, and even despise other people. A spirit of religion likes to find fault and criticize a spirit of religion brings with it a fear of people or people-pleasing spirit. Listen, if you're struggling with people-pleasing, that is not the will of the Lord for your life. The Bible says that you should not have fear of any man. And so if you're dealing with someone where you're constantly trying to please people, that's not the will of God for your life. He wants to break that off of you in Jesus' name. A spirit of religion does those things. Let me keep going further. A spirit of religion, church, it's judgmental by focusing on outside issues like dress codes. Can't believe the pastor is wearing a hoodie on Sunday morning. I, it's judgmental by focusing on outside issues like dress codes or body piercings or makeup or body art, representing something negative about that person. I'll never forget, my dad told me one time that his pastor looked at him and said he was going to hell because he was playing football. 
That's religion. It's religion. How many of you guys know that Jesus didn't come to establish religion? He came to destroy it. Let me go further. Spirit of religion places emphasis on traditions by holding on to that which is familiar and comfortable rather than moving on from one glory or wonderful revelation to the next. A spirit of religion places an emphasis on rituals along with special rules and regulations. A spirit of religion lacks mercy and grace. A spirit of religion limits your desire and ability to take in new ways, methods, or ideas. Listen, it goes further. A spirit of religion works to draw people away from glorifying and enjoying Christ through idolizing people or things. A spirit of religion will distract us and deceive us into following a preacher, an event, a manifestation, a doctrine, a prophecy, or anything that takes away from focus on Jesus and his glory. I told May to lead this on Monday. You know what that is? You ever heard of preacher religion? And if you haven't, you just did. You know what it is? Oh, oh, oh that person's preaching? I'll, I'll be there then if he's preaching. I'll be there if she's preaching. Uh, but if they're not, I mean, I'll just catch it later. Or I know I gotta drive three hours because that specific person is preaching. Do you know who gave that person the gift? They didn't get it. They didn't create it. The Holy Spirit gave them a gift. We can never worship the gift. Let's worship the giver of all gifts to the body of Christ. But a spirit of religion will make a person the most important thing or a ritual the most important thing. Can I keep going? I got like 78 more. A spirit of religion believes the words of the Bible but not the supernatural power for today. A spirit of religion restricts the Holy Spirit by judging manifestations. A spirit of religion causes people to get stuck at the last mountaintop experience, teaching, or move of God, thus keeping God's people from progressing. Listen, I'm thankful for what God has done, but God's not done. He's still doing new things. And we can't get stuck in one place and say, I wish God would do it back then. No, God did it back then for that time, for that reason, for that purpose. And he's going to do something new today as long as we don't get stuck in what used to be. The spirit of religion brings legalistic attitudes and critical spirits and opinion-led judgments. The spirit of religion leads people to demonize with those with whom they disagree. The spirit of religion causes people to create an us and them mentality. A spirit of religion persuades people to spiritualize the demeaning of people of different persuasions. It convinces people to assign blame for all the problems of society to one people group. Remember how I told you guys during that last presidential election, you better be careful? That spirit of religion will jump on you and say it's all their fault. We have to be careful, Makers Church. We have to be careful. It blinds people to its own prejudices. It motivates people to judge themselves by their intentions and others by their actions. Let me go in on that one for just a minute. By the way, how many of you guys know I love you? It judges people. That spirit of religion will make, make, make you judge other people by their actions, but you judge yourself by your intentions. Ooh. Yeah, ooh. Because we all have good intentions, but the reality is, is we can't judge people for what they've done and then judge ourselves on what we thought we would have done in that situation. 
that's not the kingdom. Ugh, that's religion. I got one more, and then I get to talk about hope for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. It causes people to redefine dishonoring attitudes as virtuous attributes. If you ever find yourself having a dishonoring heart towards people, towards the things of God, or a church, or the move of God, that's not the kingdom, that's religion. You say, Pastor, why is this so important? Because the religious spirit does not belong in your heart, it does not belong in your house, and it does not belong in this house. And it will stop a, a, a reality of revival from coming to our lives and coming to the east side of Cincinnati and flowing through this church. I don't want anything to get in the way of what God has called us to reach for next four in Jesus' name. You say, well, pastor, what is the antidote to the spirit of religion? You know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Just like you need God the Father, just like you need God the Son, you need God the Spirit. You need to be full. Somebody say full. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit. We don't want religion to take up residence in our heart if the spirit of religion doesn't take up residence in the heart of God. We want to make sure, church, that we don't need the bondage of religion but the freedom of the kingdom of God that brings revival and awakening. Our children don't need religion. They need the kingdom of God. Our children don't need religion. They need the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Church, we need to say, Lord, if there's any part of that spirit of religion that's operating in us, that's operating in the body, that's operating in our city, we come against it in Jesus' name and we declare we are full of the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God in every part of our lives. Come on, if you believe that, somebody give the Lord praise. Pastor, this is a hard word. No, it's a necessary word. I do not want to finish another year looking back and saying what could have been. But Lord, look what you did. Because we were committed to saying, Lord, let nothing get in the way of the kingdom. Let nothing get in the way of your spirit leading us and guiding us. How many of you guys know that the Holy Spirit is the opposite of everything we just talked about? Can I remind you what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? Come on, I need my worship team to come. We're about to close. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? He said, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and he will testify all about me. The advocate, the comforter, the spirit of what? The spirit of truth. You will never find the Holy Spirit saying anything that's not the truth. He is the spirit of truth. How about John 16, 13? This one's beautiful. When the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into some truth. He will guide you into all truth. Look, 
He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Makers Church, once we break a spirit of religion off of our hearts, off of our homes, off of this house, and we operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, can I tell you what happens next? That's when an awakening comes. That's when revival sweeps in. That's where all of a sudden we are moved and led by the power of the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders follow the believers and we dare to believe that nothing is impossible with God. We know that nothing is too great or too hard for Him. We go into the world with courage and boldness and we shine brightly for Him everywhere we go. But it starts by saying, Lord, break anything like that off of me. God, and fill me with the goodness of your spirit. Well, pastor, I, I've, I've done that, but hear me. It is many, it's one baptism, but it's many fillings. And I'm gonna tell you about the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion, just like Satan, it never wins, but it also never stops. So if you're not careful, those things can be broken off, but they can show back up if you get critical again. Come on, somebody. They can show back up in those places when all of a sudden you don't, you don't seem to be paying attention clearly to what God is doing. How many people have gotten on social media and criticized some of what's happening in these universities? And they don't even know the fullness of what's happening. Be careful. Because you want to know why? That's not the Holy Spirit prompting you. That's the spirit of religion. Because the kingdom is not going to divide the spirit of God and what's happening. But religion will. Church, the reality of revival, I believe, is what's next for us. But we have to say, Lord, search us. Break off anything. God, break off that spirit of religion in any part of our thinking or our actions, in our homes, God, in our church, and let us be committed to being filled and overflowing with the person and the power of Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet all over the room. And I want you to do this. I want you to come. If you'll come for a few minutes, we've got a few minutes. I want you to come to the altar today. I want you to find a place, get some, get some room at the altar just for a minute.